Welcome to the Moon and You podcast. My name is Susan Hart. You are invited to lean in and listen to conversations and content that elevates and educates in hormones, financial literacy, menopause, esoteric subjects about the moon, stars and ancient medicines, and always with the intent to grow and find peace within the female body. As always, and in the spirit of reconciliation, I acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. I pay my respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Welcome to the Moon and You. Welcome back to the podcast. My guest today is Carla Doherty, and she hails all the way from Dublin. Carla is somewhat of a daughter to me. We met online via Instagram, and we instantly fell in love with each other. Carla has worked very closely with tracking her cycle to understand her body better. Her journey is just like mine. We both understood that we needed to gain knowledge to make informed decisions about our health instead of blindly taking pills prescribed by our doctors to manage fertility, menstrual issues, and for me, now, menopause. We also share the same love of following the moon cycles and tapping into the many esoteric values this pathway offers. A lot of teachings around the moon and menstruation would have us believe that bleeding on the new moon is a must or preferred, However, both Carla and myself have no connection to bleeding on the new moon as we bled closer to the full moon. For us, the moon is very personal. When we understand the phases of the moon and the moon herself, we can truly tap into our inner world, our feelings, our energy and emotions. Our conversation today takes us to some sticky places. It's real and raw And that's how we love it. Hormones, menopause, letting go, India, contraception, PMS and the elimination of PMS, veganism, dogs and yoga. Please enjoy this conversation and of course Carla's delightful Irish accent. The last time I we chatted, you talked about a dog shelter. I am so yeah. in love with dogs. Please, what made you be a volunteer in a dog shelter? Because that's something that I would love to do. What yeah. is your why around that? I am obsessed with dogs. Um, I, if I'm honest, love dogs way more than I love humans. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Like, I, I couldn't work with kids. But I could work with dogs. Um, they're they just bring so much joy to my life. And then, um, obviously, I've got my own dog, and um, we've always kind of had family dogs and stuff. And um, I've wanted to get into it for years, but I didn't actually know that there was one so close by me in the country. I discovered it through um a yoga friend who also volunteers there. I've only started. I only started um about three months ago uh three four months ago 
I try to commit to a weekly shift, but that doesn't always work out. Sometimes I'll just go up and take some of them for a walk. And Mm. sometimes I'll, some weeks I'll not make it up um, at all, but there's such an attachment with it. And um, they're just so innocent and they need you. And, um, but it's also very hard and it's very emotional. Yes. Yes. When I realized about um, the bond that, canines in particular so the history of canines i mean what we've done to dogs over the last 200 years is just ridiculous you know with the, all the different breeds that we have you know out there when i realized that there was a japanese study uh, done on uh, in particular with females and mm. when a, a, a dog and a human come together for the first time and their and their eyes link there's this bonding hormone, oxytocin, that is formed. And it was scientifically proven that in the in the dog's wee and the, in the human's wee, there was this chemical, oxytocin, which is the bonding, which is the love hormone, the bonding hormone, yeah. where pregnant women have it with their children. And without yeah. this, we don't have that bonding thing. Um, and I realized, I thought, of course, because I thought, why was I so attached to my beautiful dog, Willow? And she's passed now. She's been passed since she was 2016. And the grief I felt for this canine was more than I had for members of my family who had passed. And I thought, why is this? Why is this this feeling? And I felt guilt. Of course, the ego then brings in the guilt you know, how dare you love a dog more than, you know, your mother or your father or grandparents? Oh, like the amount of people that I speak to lately who have said exactly the same thing, um, you know, about how they have lost family members and then have lost their dog recently and have never felt a pain quite like it. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it's that bonding agent, the oxytocin, that, that, that human... Yeah. Uh, chemical because that's all we are it's chemicals we're just a whole range of chemicals you know in a body mm-hmm. and and yeah. living a spiritual life which is what i believe you know that we are this avatar that we have this skin this blood these these things you know we've we, we're just this yeah. amazing avatar that our spirit uses to to live a, a human existence you know yeah i am thinking oh my god my my Yoda's pee and my pee must be just filled with oxytocin because we are completely obsessed with each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can I just bring another question in here about um, the animal welfare and yoga? Now, this is a bizarre, this is a bizarre question, but it's very interesting uh, for me to understand where you come from here as well. So what are your thoughts around like the eight limbs of yoga teaching and the idea that engaging in a non-violent lifestyle also mm-hmm. would include eating animal flesh as part of a, yo- a yogi and if you do believe mm-hmm. in the eight limbs of yoga or not just the asanas so i suppose mm-hmm. my question is are you are you the kind of chick that mm-hmm. believes in all the eight limbs of yoga or just the asanas no i i um don't just believe in the in the asana um asana as i would say um you know, the, you, there's the pranayama, the breathing, the life force, the energy. And um, yeah, like, you know, the the kind of non-violence and, and all that. Um, I mean, one thing I would say is that um, I know a lot of yoga teachers who eat meat. Like, it's not like once you become a yoga teacher, you can't eat meat. Like, you know, obviously. Um, but... 
for me, I just couldn't. And I don't want to say too much on that because I don't want to offend people who do. Um, And to be honest, I will be a bit of a hypocrite because I do go through my phases of having real chocolate um, or (laughs) a little bit of cheese. And I feel really guilty about it, but I do it. Mm. Um, We had this conversation before about, you remember you were saying about the eggs and stuff? Yes. But I wouldn't eat meat. Um, But, yeah, I think, like, there's a whole bigger picture. Like, even when you come into my practice or I go to a yoga practice, the the asana, the postures is just one part of that. Like, Mm. um, yoga is made up of... I don't do a lot of work with the eight limbs of yoga. Um, for me, when I teach yoga and I practice yoga, um, although the mind's always there and so you're, you know, you're always thinking and you're sometimes can't get out of your head. Um, but yoga translated um, in, from Sanskrit means union. And it means union of three things, the mind, the body and the breath. So what I always teach um, and I have obviously discovered it along my path from someone who has been my teacher over the years is that if you come onto your mat and you are not um centering and grounding um bringing your whole self here the mind and staying connected to your breath breath um and you're just moving and you're just doing the asana, you're just doing the postures, warrior one, warrior two, then what you're doing is you're you're literally just making shapes on the mat. doesn't mean anything. Mm. You could be making shapes on the mat and thinking about an email that you need to send and you're watching the person next to you and you're out of breath because you need to do what they're doing. <laughs> it's a big competition, yeah. you know? So what I say is that you're not teaching yoga. You're you're not fully present. You're not fully here. So mm. bring your whole self here. Yeah, that's so, beautiful. Yeah. Because yeah. the other thing about the nonviolence is that um, judgment. So for me, what I work on is that when I when I go to yoga practice, and I know that some of my yogis that are around me, you know, they meet this 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 sort of feeling comes up with within me this injustice. This, you know, whoa, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. And then I realize, oh, so you're, you're violent. You're actually being violent right now. <laughs> yeah. See what I mean? It's not just about eating meat. <laughs> it's about. <laughs> every part of your That's life thing, but mm. you're just like we're just human and like you could practice the eight limbs of yoga you could practice um you know the union the mind the body and the breath you know you could do for passionate you could mm. um you know you can do all this stuff you can meditate every morning <laughs> but I, and what I learned in my yoga teacher training in India was unless you are by one of my Indian teachers was the real the real practice starts when you go home and you're surrounded by people, family, friends, work, life. Because unless you're sitting up in a mountain by yourself <laughs> in sheer and utter peace, yeah. you are gonna just 
you know, you're going to have these feelings. You're going to mm. ha- you're going to be triggered. You're going to feel mm. your emotions, mm. you know, you and it's but it's part of life. It's part of the journey. Um, Ganesh talks Ganesh's purpose is um, the remover of obstacles. Mm. And I I've always been drawn to Ganesh. Ganesh or Ganesha or whatever. Me too. Yeah, me too. Like my my kind of thing actually with with um, Ganesh lately though has been I actually don't know if I believe that obstacles need to be removed because they're actually just part of the anyway. Uh, Yeah, okay. That's an interesting thing because sometimes what you think is an obstacle really is a lesson to be learned. So, yeah, yeah look, exactly. I, I totally agree with you. But sometimes when you have things in your life where it just you just cannot get over, you just cannot move it or you can't, sometimes for me spiritual intervention is required. One of my beliefs is that you can't really, well, you can't get through something without completely feeling it. You know, you mm. can't just like a big part of my practice I would say is letting go um but a big part of letting go is accepting yeah feeling absolutely there's a book I'm reading now I can't believe that you and I are so in sync I think we're just (laughs) sisters from across the pond you know as they say well we're not really across the pond we're 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 across a very 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 large you're in Dublin I'm in Australia so it's a very large (laughs) pond I'm reading a book at the moment called Letting Go. It's a book by David Hawkins, The Path to Surrender. And he is a medical a GP. He was He's studied medicine, psychotherapy, psychiatry. He's quite amazing. He does the kinesiology. And because he believes that um, the emotions are what causes a lot of our our pain and our illnesses because we keep our emotions bottled up as opposed to letting them go and when we don't let them go they fester and he says don't even think about the problem just feel the problem and so I've got a lot of anger issues at the moment and I think that happens when in menopause so I'm 55 I've had I haven't had a period since I was 48 well arthritis is the biggest one and I didn't realize how how bad arthritis can be and it brings up so many anger issues for me. And I'm feeling these emotions. I'm going, oh, I'm thinking this feels like when I used to have PMS. This is like PMS. It's just, but it's all the time. Yeah. Can you imagine having PMS all the time? <laughs> it's just like. So like PMS, but with no period. release. No release. Thank you. That's it. That's oh. it. Menopause is like one huge PMS without a release, so that's, which is why I need to have things like yoga and I need to have people to talk to and I need to have a, a real outlet. It's, it's a really interesting topic in my life at the moment because um, my my mummy, my mother, she has just turned 50. So I'm 31. Mummy, mummy had me when she was very young, so... Um, it's a blessing and a curse because we're like best friends. We're also like sisters who fight. So, you know, it just <laughs> depends. But she is perimenopausal, I'll say, because she's still having a bleed mm. um, every other month. Um, but she's finally admitted that she's perimenopausal. So she's, you know, having her cold night sweats and, mm. um, and all that. And you know what? I actually feel such a... I mean, it's difficult. It's it's difficult because it can affect our relationship. Um, sometimes, 
but that's because I'm I'm fiery anyway and you know mm. she's going through some stuff but I felt an a, such a sadness when she told me but and just like it felt like it was a collective sort of grief for all the women in the world who get to this stage and what they must feel and go through when their life's changing Mm. and they you know I'm sure start to compare themselves to younger women Mm. and miss their body you know total grief yeah it's grief like it's like what is happening to me and my mother passed away before I could even ask her about these things and for me the the irritation and the the anger and the resentment and the loss and the estrogen, <laughs> the progesterone. Oh, my God, all these wonderful hormones that you lose because it's not really predictable anymore. Like hormones aren't predictable anymore because I could be full of estrogen for a couple of weeks and my breasts will be full and, you know, and then suddenly no, there's no estrogen at all depending on what I eat as well. Darling, you have so much to look forward to in that that respect. (laughs) I have to educate myself on this stuff now and prepare my body so that it's like a a nice, delicate transition. However, you know, I am such a, I would be a highly, like have a very highly sensitive energy. I'm very easily triggered. I can be very angry sometimes as well so I totally get what you're saying with all that and it's definitely it's hormonal it's fluctuations of hormones Mm. you know so it's hard to be as I say I'll go back to it again if I was living up on a mountain somewhere by myself I'd probably be all right well that's what I feel like I want to do now (laughs) is go on a mountain speaking of mountains I read that you went to India to do your yoga training first question how long did you stay in India for I stayed for one month. Oh, you glorious thing. Isn't that beautiful? I would have loved to have done that. I wish I could have stayed longer, but um, I actually made it out just on time because my visa was just about to run out in like one hour and I just got out of the country just in time. Wow. It was actually really scary, but um, yeah, the reason why I, I I was there for a month because it was a one month, it was a four-week um, intensive 200-hour yoga teacher oh, training. Oh, wow. So. Okay. Yes. I see. Yeah. But if you're going to do it, I mean, I think India is a, one of the perfect places to do it because I've been to India three times and each time I go there, I go, I think I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Yeah. There's something about India. I think I must have been an Indian woman with like 3,000 children back in the day, you know, my past life. Because I seriously, when I landed, first time I landed, I, I smelt – there's a smell and it's yeah. it's a mixture of spice, sweat and Guys. <laughs> something. But it's just, I, I quite love it, you know, because it reminds me, it's, it's so thick. It's funny that you say that. I, um, I feel exactly the same. I feel like I, in a past life, was, it, was Indian or lived in India or something because – it just felt, it feels like home to me. Um, yes. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that strange? It's so strange. And I have friends in Calcutta. So last time we visited was just before COVID um, 
hit. It was November 2019 when Australia had those dreadful fires and just wiped out so many animals and so many trees. And uh, in India there is a, a smog um, and the sun is orange. So when we came home, first time ever, there was you couldn't even see the blue sky of Australia and it was just the sun was orange. And that was like that for three or four months. And then, of course, lockdown happened in uh, March of 2020. So we just made it out in time if you're from mm. India. But, yeah, it's, 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 an amazing, it's an amazing place, an amazing experience. Everybody needs to do it in their lifetime, I think, yeah. Absolutely. Mm. And, um, yeah, it, like so I stayed in Rishikesh, um, which is north India, which yes. is mm. right at the foothills of the Himalayas. Beautiful. Um, and we hiked it. So we we done intensive training from like 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. every day. And then we had dinner and then it was like go to bed at like 9 or 10 or whatever. And then same thing all over again. But we got Sundays off. So we we done like white water rafting in the Ganges <gasps> one of the Sundays. Um, wow. And we done. I know. And we done uh, hiking in the Himalay in the in the forest in the you know yeah um, and it was just amazing yeah the, an experience that I genuinely hand in my heart still think about every single day. It comes into my head every day. I cannot explain it. It was the most unbelievable experience and we just became this yoga family like right away um it was so special the connection with everyone mm. the laughter the tears it, it was just like a a collective group that have had just came together to like mm. heal beautiful that's so lovely yeah. could we um talk a little bit now about menstrual cycles now i know that this has been a teaching of yours um not necessarily now but um when i when we were trying to get this podcast together you and i were going to be doing some work around the eight phases of the moon and i've actually changed that to i'm using the eight phases of the moon idea for um helping women do their transition through menopause because to me you can look the phases of the moon. You can use it for anything. You know, you look at every single part of of the clock of the moon in twenty eight days, and you can associate it with everything. So my life as a whole, where am I now? Like I'm midway through my life. If just say we live to we're a hundred, um, well, a Vedic astrologist said that I'd probably live till I was one hundred and eight. So okay, with taking that, I'm halfway <laughs> through my cycle. So therefore, I'm full moon. I'm at the full moon. So if we start in the new moon as a child, as a baby. Yeah, and we go all the way through up to the full moon, then that means that's where I'm at the moment. I am the full expression of all my intentions at 55, moving through in, in life. Um, and then, then the next half is about trying to is about my rebirth again moving into the new moon so you like you have the 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 waxing of the moon you know within the 60s and then the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and then of course when I finally have my final breath then the new moon will be coming and I will come back so that's how I see the eight phases of the moon for me personally and that's what I love about the moon's teaching you could you could do it for, for whatever you want 
whatever you want. So I want to, one one of the teachings that you had before was Mm. about contraception and you have a natural contraception that you used. Would you be prepared to share that here? Of course. Yeah, of course. Um, So I, do you want me to tell you a wee wee bit about my journey with? I would love you to tell about your wee journey. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) i don't think it's very we i think it's a very 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 long and um very intense journey i think so please share so i think for my was like yeah late teens from i was legally allowed to be on the pill my i had a boyfriend um from like late teens mid to late teens so as soon as I at the legal age for um sexual consent here in um I live in Northern Ireland and um that's a whole other conversation but um yeah so we um our legal age of consent is 17 right so I remember when I turned 17 my um mum had sent me to the doctor to get the pill but I was already on it because I had a boyfriend and we had a sexual health clinic um, that we could go to, which which is good. Um, I just wanted to be extra careful just in case because I had a boyfriend and, you know, I was like, I'm all growing up. And you look back now and you're like, what? <laughs> um I know. Yeah. You wait till you're 55, you look back at 31, you go, oh, I was such a baby back at 31. I had I no idea. <laughs> I know. Like, it's so funny because, like, I actually genuinely think subconsciously somewhere inside me I don't want to have children because I will just worry about them so much when they're 16 and 17. But anyway, um, so... Yeah, I, I basically, I'd been on the pill for years and years. Um, and, well, I'd been on the pill until I was about, I think, 25. Um, I tried the bar in my arm. Um, I don't even know what that's called. Um, I don't know. Do you know? I haven't even heard of that. The bar in Is the arm. Implant? An implant. Um, I've never heard of that. Oh my no? goodness! No way! I've never heard of that. Mm. So it's it's inserted like they cut a little slice in your arm. I still have a little scar from it. Wow! Um, the things that women have to do for contraception. I know. Crazy! Oh my god! And I I I, I took that approach because I wanted to not have to take the pill every day because it made me feel really sick mm. and. So I got that and then that just made me bleed like every day. So the hormone in it didn't agree with me. Um, And I eventually got it taken out. And I happened to be traveling in Australia at the time and it had expired in my arm. You can only keep it in for three years. And I couldn't get it out until I came home. So it was in my arm and it should have been out like six months ago. But um. It's, more, yeah, it's like your visa. It's very much like your visa story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then um, I tried the pill again, um, just kind of on-off relationships over the years, 
I always kind of made sure that, you know, I, I needed to be on contraception. I didn't know that it was an option not to be. And, you know, there's a big narrative here. And I don't know if it's the same where you are, you know, but there's a big narrative here, just even amongst your friend groups, um, that if you're sexually active and you're not on the pill, oh my, it's like, oh my God, are you stupid? Like, mm. are you asking to get pregnant? So it, it's like drilled into your head from from as soon as like it should be, like, you know, get be on the pill. Um, and there's no other education anywhere to say otherwise, mm. you know. So, um, but what I started noticing around about 25, so about six years ago, I started noticing and that's really where my yoga journey began and I think with the yoga and the meditation you um kind of get to know yourself a wee bit better like without even trying to you just kind of just tune into yourself a little bit more and um I also was going through a really bad relationship at that time so I started going to like um meditation groups which I found to be therapy in a way and um journaling and just trying to seek this headspace that if I didn't I believe if I didn't have that really bad relationship then I wouldn't be who I am now because mm. I wouldn't have needed that help and I wouldn't have needed you know mm. um so I noticed around that time that I genuinely, I can't even put it any other way. I was back on the pill and I felt like I was losing my mind. Oh, wow. I was so paranoid. I just didn't feel like myself at all. And it actually scared me. I just came, I just had to stop it. Mm. And um, I've never been back on it since. So I discovered, and I don't know how, to be honest, but I discovered Natural Cycles app they give you a, a basal a basal thermometer to monitor your basal body temperature which is i don't know better than a normal thermometer they say because it, it's more accurate it's in the app itself so that you get the app and then you pay 39.99 pounds per month they post you out a thermometer got it yeah and you just place it under your tongue every morning and then you put the thermo you put the temperature in every day and you can add notes and stuff like that. And basically it helps to really, really pinpoint when you're about to ovulate because mm. your temperature will change slightly, it drops a little bit. And then again when you're about to menstruate. So it's basically it's family planning. It's basically you're either using it to try and get pregnant or to try and not get pregnant. But I haven't been using it for a year now because I used it for about five years. And I've just got so in the way of doing it myself with my journaling and just knowing when my last bleed was and when I'm ovulating. And, and also I'm day six now. So I feel like I've just came out of a, a very very dark um yes. <laughs> cold <laughs> winter cocoon that I was I was completely exhausted um 
I was really, really irate and <laughs> um, and now I feel, I feel as soon as I started to bleed, the second I, I yeah. noticed that I was bleeding, my breasts were automatically not sore. Um, some months it's not nowhere near that bad, but I'd had a really busy month and I, and mm. so I used my my period and my menstrual cycle to determine my sort of health state, mind state. Perfect. Yes. Wonderful. That's so wonderful. That's exactly how we should be doing it. That's the power in our cycle is we can say, okay, so that was a pretty rough time. You know, in your your journals, what what did I eat? What was my experience? You know, what was Mm -hmm. I drinking? Was I partying? Was I sleeping well? You know, all these things contribute to our hormonal state because our endocrine system is it's not necessarily fragile. It's a different to our immune system, which is, and I feel, and this goes back here, I am thinking, oh my God, should I be talking about this? Because I'm not an experienced endocrinologist, nor am I a doctor. And these are the fears, this is the problem that women have because we give our knowledge and our power and our right to know these things away. And we think that we have to pay for it. Mm. All, all it is, you just get a textbook and you can learn about endocrinology. You know, just get it. I mean, fair enough. You can't have a clinic and I can't subscribe you, you know, <laughs> medications exactly. and stuff. I can't be a, a pharmacist. But you and I as women, we have the right mm. to know and to share our stories and to support each other. And what you're doing with your tracking, that's there. therein lies the power because you can say, okay, I know that the next three weeks – you know the next three weeks can be harnessed and utilised because your period's behind you, oestrogen's rising. When you ovulate, you're going to get a hit of testosterone, so that's going to be amazing. Just remember that little dip after, the, after you ovulate. You do get that little mini PMS. don't know whether you mm-hmm. realise that, but you do you get a little dip in oestrogen. And so mm-hmm. as long as you don't interpret that as being a life crisis, which a lot of women do, you can then roll and transition into the progesterone week with ease and grace and you can be enjoy that beautiful mm, feeling of snuggling and, and eating beautiful food and, and just resting and reading and, you know, until the period comes again and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah. oh, my love, you know, because one of the, my, my other teachings as well is that I believe that you can eliminate PMS. I'm going to say that right here. I do believe that you can eliminate PMS because sex hormones and stress hormones do not work together. So mm. when you have, this is why PMS is so chronic in our in our life because we're so stressed. Yeah, and that's absolutely. what happens. Yeah, and so progesterone drops at day twenty one, and then you are PMS all week. So if you can, if you can learn to, you know, especially in that last week to to eat, to be conscious of what you're eating, which is what you do. I mean, that's what you do. You have all these wonderful things that you um, incorporate into your life and, and you're journaling. I never realized how important journaling is. You know, mm. so, that, so, so therefore your journaling then has taken over from where your app used to be. Do you still track your temperature? No, I don't. Okay. Um, I don't um... – I, I would say that for women who are listening to this and um, want to pinpoint an ovulation so that they can get pregnant, 
and that might help with that might help them you mm. know to to pinpoint that um but for me um i i i i don't that's not my goal and mm. my goal with the the cycle tracking is to understand more my emotions and my mm. body physically mental state um you know bloating mm. mood all of that stuff and um so I don't actually I still have the the thermometer but I don't actually use it anymore and I also would say you know because it's it's a tricky one like the all these apps are great and they're a great way for women to start um their journey of cycle tracking and getting into the way of you know making sure that it's something that you do every morning and you know take your temperature or don't take your temperature but track what day you're on and write down what you're eating you know are you eating processed foods and Mm -hmm. um are you like how are you feeling physically mentally emotionally and and all that and it'll also help you like if you've got an event coming up um in two weeks time to say yeah (laughs) i kind of probably I don't want to drink that day because my period's due and it's just, it's just not good for my body. Yeah. Um, but what I would say is that, you know, there's also, there's also big arguments against all of these apps and, and stuff because your body is your biggest intelligence source. And, um, you don't need an app to tell you what's going on. How the hell does an app know what's going on in your body? It's yeah. your body. <laughs> yeah. So I I kind of have stepped away from that, but I don't put it down. It's I don't um I don't dissociate myself with it or anything like that. Um I don't judge it. Um I think it's an amazing way to start your journey. Hmm. Um and there's there's an app called Flow, it's free. Um there's Natural Cycles is the only one that I've actually used. Um and there's lots of, of other out there as well. But and and try it and give it a go. But you you are you. Yes. So you you better. Yeah. <laughs> it's you putting data into the app. Yeah. So that's right, Just, yeah. Did you um, get a chance to look at my app? Because I had a, a – it's free. My app's free now. And yeah. Yeah, so it's it's a very old app. I did that years ago, like when apps started coming out and – um, but it's still for me. It's quite timely. But you just put in your, your own temperature. So it's for beginners. You're absolutely right. So once you're when you start your journey, you put in your temperature, your mood, and the mucus because mucus is yeah. to understand your mucus is extremely important. And for the listener who doesn't know what that means, is that you insert two fingers into your vagina, and then when you um, when you look at the mucus, you can actually tell oh, it's sticky or is it white? Is it like egg white? And so when your when your um, mucus is like a sticky egg white, that's when you can also tell that you're ovulating. Of course, well, then there'll be menses. You don't do it when you're on your period, of course, because you know that you've got a period. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, and especially around ov- when you're ovulating, that's when, when the – when the thickness of it, it becomes wet and it becomes, you know, um, yeah. And you can tell that as well. So they're the three things that I track. Well, I used to track my temperature, my mood, 
and my mucus. And that's what's on my app. And then you can email that to yourself after a month and you can see whether your mood tracks in well with your temperature and your mucus. Yeah, and again, there's no swiping in this app. You have to press press like a moon icon. And one of the reviews says, I think this is a very old app, but it really does slow you down. Not only do you have to work it out how to use the app, but you have to click onto it as opposed to swipe, 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 swipe. Because we live in such an age of quickness, like, oh, I'm bored, oh, that that's doesn't take my fancy. And we have like a seven-second um, thing. So anyway, the app was designed to just be more meditative. You know, there's meditations on there as well. There's eight meditations and stuff like that. So I would love it um, just for my own just for for my own sort of curiosity if you could try it and yeah let me know give me a review I would really appreciate that you know because you've used it that I um haven't until now it's just that as I say I was so focused on natural cycles and then I kind of just went cold turkey with yeah yeah good for you that's all right, Diane. Okay. That, that that's absolutely fine. I just looked at the time, thinking I could talk to you forever. You are so beautiful. I love talking to you. You're like my daughter. I love it. Okay. I can't wait to come over to Australia again, and like oh, definitely. Yes. Well, I can't wait to go to Dublin. I think that would be just so wonderful, yeah. wonderful. So, okay. So, just to wrap it up, I'd like to for, talk to talk to you about what you're doing now. Share mm. with me. And, and is there anything that you're doing that menopausal women can when menopause women can actually do as well? So, so tell me, darling, what are you doing? Share with me. So I am from from a a, a yoga um, and um, spiritual and health perspective. I am uh, probably doing a lot of self work at the minute. Um, I'm doing my Yin yoga teacher training. Um, so that will be an additional 100 hours of yoga teacher training um, to add to my yang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, I've kind of put myself on a little pause of teaching while that's happening. So that ends actually in a couple of weeks already. Um, and I will go back to a permanent class next month. It's a beginner's yoga class. Um, in a an unbelievably beautiful studio in Belfast that I have um I have been a student at for years now. Mm. So um I'll go back to that. And the reason I've agreed to do a beginner's yoga class is because um when we talk about a yang world, we talk about yang energy and you know, vinyasa yoga really fits into that and that's the style that I would usually teach. Mm. Um yin yoga is about getting deep into the body and uh, embodied um, healing um, it's trauma related to which I'm only learning about right now in, in this in this next month um, but I will be going back to my roots of teaching foundational beginners yoga because I have really changed a lot of my thoughts and feelings when it comes to yoga from the sense that there's just so so much teaching out there that and I'll say it is wrong because it's wrong because 
it makes people feel like they should look a certain way or move a certain way <laughs> or, nice. you know, don't go to this class because you're not advanced enough or, you know, whatever. And it's like, no, actually, it's about what feels good for you in your body. And um, I don't know if you've ever read um, Yoni Shakti um, book by Una... Una something I'll give you the Mm. name of it and you can pop it in the notes if you want and she talks about and this really opened my eyes um yoga was originally founded and taught by men and actually years and years ago only men were allowed to practice yoga women weren't and then all of a sudden women were allowed but it was still men teaching women and then um yeah, and then and now, if you notice, if you go into any yoga studio, um, where it's a typical vinyasa class, or you know, like eighty percent of the room is women, mm. right? Mm. And even if the yoga teacher is a woman, the practice itself has come down through being taught from men. If I'm explaining this right, so. There could be within that 80% or 90% of women in the room who you're practicing, say, for example, a vinyasa flow headstand practice, 45% of those women could be menstruating currently um, and you're restricting the blood flow and affecting their blood flow by taking them through a practice that is just not fit for purpose for their body in that in that moment. Um And, you know, some of the women could have just had babies. Some of the women could be sick or Mm. just hormonally, you know. And so where I'm at in my practice at the moment and my teaching is that I'm stripping it way back and, you know, kind of trying to teach in a way that nourishes people and nurtures people and, Mm. You know, it's not about having your foot here and your knee here and your arm here. It's about opening your body and moving in a way that feels good for you so that you can leave feeling mm. nourished. Yes. Um, yeah. I also I do teach um I do teach um get to know your cycle workshops. Um and I do, I've been doing those online and I haven't done one in a good way while now uh, because I want to rewrite the whole script for it mm. simply because um, I'm still learning through friends, family and a lot my Instagram, I would get messages all the time of people just asking for menstrual advice um, or want to, want to tell me about their experience, which is amazing because it's research for me. And, you know, as I have my my program set up at the moment, it's like, you know, basically based on a typical 28-day cycle, which is a is a fairy tale for a lot of women. Um, <laughs> yes, true. That's true. Very true. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's not 28, it's like 31 or 17, you know, it just yeah, depends. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, so I'm just kind of, I think I'm almost rewriting my script of everything at the mm. moment. And um, my passions lie in 
helping women to understand why tracking their cycle is so important, why understanding their body is so important, um, why you, your your goal in yoga is not to be able to stand on your head. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's about it's 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 about you and how you feel and actually you'll feel differently every day as you know you know mm. hormonally and, and all that yes yep. um so that's kind of where my journey's at at the moment um yeah it's beautiful that's i love that so much the uh, the other question i had was about your the books that you're reading to support you through mm. this journey you've shared one um thank you for sending through that link that will be great what other books? And do you have an ebook that you have written, or are you going to do something? I wish. My God, you should. So, really? Yes. That's um, that's one of my life goals is to write a book. I would love to write a book. Um, Start it now. You've got you've got you've got the beginnings of something beautiful already. Just just write your autobiography. Just write a like write a couple of pages about who you are, and then you're starting. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, you just start. Yeah. You just start. Yeah. And then you have the chapters and you write your chapters. And there's a, there's an ebook template on my website that you can download and then you can just start by doing an ebook. Simple. I did download it and it, I love it. It's amazing. And it, it actually inspired me a lot because um I think that would be a great place um to journey through, you know, just to get the experience of it. Mm. Um one thing I should have said as well, sorry, I'll go back to the books, but one thing I wanted to say was that um, a big, big part of my my life um, with my my with my work as one and with just my how I am as a person in general, um, I'm always craving knowledge and I'm always want to learn stuff and all that. Um, so my um, creativity is such a big big thing for me in my life and um I would I would like to carry that I I think I've been maybe um I I I I thought I wanted to leave advertising and just do all this stuff you know full time but now I kind of feel like there's some sort of calling in helping women who are in their normal lives in their industries, marketing, finance, whatever it might be, and helping them to tune into their cycle for um, enhancing their their creativity creativity and their creative powers as well. Mm. So I'm kind of exploring that too. Um, The working with the menstrual cycle really helps me um, harness my creativity because I – I know when I'm I'm ready to write a proposal or I'm ready to write a social media calendar or um I'm ready to write a poem or do a painting. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Or when I just need to not do any of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. More women need to be like that. It's one you're very inspiring. I love it. I wish I was wish I had known you when I was in my 30s. I think that would have been so much easier for me, you know. 
And yeah. so go gently on those women who are in their 50s because we grew up in a time when we didn't have social media and we didn't really have parents who talked to us about these things. So, you know, you, yeah. women of today in, in their 20s and 30s, they have so, so many things that they can um, draw upon. Um, it does yeah. take effort, but but the rewards are amazing. So, mm-hmm. uh, so lastly, get, get me to the books. So let me talk about the books oh, the that you're books. reading. Yeah. So, um, it was funny you'd said earlier about um, a book that you're you're reading was letting go of the path to surrender. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was going to say to you, a book that I've just started reading is "When the Body Says No" by Gabra Mate. And mm. uh, have you heard of Gabra Mate? I haven't. No, but I love the title. It sounds wonderful. So. Um, yeah, he's like uh, done a lot. He's a psychologist, basically. Um, and I've just started it. It's the hidden cost of stress. Ah. She was talking about stress in the body and how we hold on to our emotions yes, and yes. all that. Um, so very much about the mind-body connection, um, which I am all about. Um, another amazing book that really was a big big life life changing and eye-opening book for me was um louise hay you can heal your life yes i love that one yeah yeah um there's a couple of period books as well and um, period par by Maisie hill um that i really liked and it actually um has helped a lot of other women that i know because it describes in great detail it's very scientific as well it describes in great detail um PMDD, PMS, you know, um, like polycystic ovaries syndrome mm. and all that. Um, and, yeah, um, God, I love a good book. Do you know I've actually challenged myself um, to, like, this this book, uh, When the Body Says No and my period books and any self-help book or motivational book that I can get my hands on is actually, I only realized when I was thinking about my new year resolutions, um, I, I realized that I haven't read a book just for enjoyment in years. Wow. How crazy. Yeah. So I challenged myself to um, start to read more fiction or good for you just yeah for enjoyment yes yeah it's may and i've only read one so (laughs) that's all right (laughs) darling thank you so much for coming on to my podcast i love you love 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 to you you too sweetheart bye for now bye bye